Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. It's time to awaken an entire nation. I'll be a dog till I die. Yeah. Between the hedges, look at fly. fly. 90,000 in the stands, I'ma do my dance, make it look fine. fine. Coach, put me in the game. Dang. UGA, yeah, the name. Dang. Yeah, the offense gon' turn up, but the defense gon' win us the game. Here's your host, Corey Burton. All right, welcome back to another edition of the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcasting network for professionals. Joining me is my co-host, Israel Troop, and our very special guest. He's on for the fifth time uh, since we launched this podcast. His name is, he's a newly acquired Pelicans fan. It is Dane Young of, of UGASports.com. What's up, Dane? What's up, Israel? What's going on, man? Matt, Corey, you picked up a uh, co-host since the last time we chatted, so I guess That's things right. are going well over here. That's right. I drafted Israel, man, and uh, yeah, he came on right after the Arkansas game. So, uh, so we've been we've been going since about September, and uh, man, it's been rolling, man. So, um, how have you been, Dane? And life's good. Uh, back to another off and you know, after the the COVID offseason coverage we had over at UGASports.com, it seems like the season just zoomed on by and we're back to, uh, you know, trying to, to get all the tidbits we can from uh, workouts and practice and doing our analysis from from last season. So, uh, you know, the, the season just now ended. And a uh, good thing about college football now, it's like, you know, the rest of the professional sports in the sense that, like, the off season, there's still content, you know, so there's a lot of stuff to talk about and a lot of stuff to come. So it's 24 seven around Athens as uh, both you guys know. Yeah, man. And uh, it's all about the early enrollees and recruiting. And then you get into spring practice and then, you know, now they're reporting on the, uh, the, the miles per hour that all these guys get clocked at, which is kind of impressive. So, um, but our show is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. football might be over. Uh, it's definitely over, but the NBA and college basketball and the NHL are in full swing. And the only place you should be betting on these sports is betonline.ag. I'm going to say this. I have no idea how to bet on the NHL. Um, you guys going to bet on any basketball games? Uh, no, I, I I don't even watch basketball except for when Georgia plays. Um, I know they're playing Tennessee right now, so. Um, NBA, I just can't get in the NBA. Um, I usually watch basketball right around March Madness. Um, but I feel like the NBA is a little bit too flashy for me. Um, not a lot of defense. So I'm more of a college guy. And, and, you know, for me, one, I don't bet a whole lot just because uh, you don't bet, but you can't afford to lose in a lot of cases. Uh, so <laughs> can't bet that, that a, milk money. <laughs> that, yeah, that, yeah. With two young kids, you know, yeah, you got to take diapers, care of them first. Man, they're, getting out, they're flying out the window. Uh, but I will say if I were to bet, I feel like the NBA would be among the last things, because as you mentioned, uh, I, I told you guys that before the season, I became a new Orleans Pelicans fan, which I don't know if those words have been uttered by a 31 year old man in Georgia ever. Uh, but it's a fun little bandwagon to be on, but I say, I would never bet on it because literally I've seen that team beat the bucks one night one of the best teams in the nba i think beat them by like 10 uh and then turn around the next day and you know lose to charlotte uh, it's like it makes no sense rhyme or reason so no no basketball betting for me did you bet on the super bowl 
No, uh, I'm glad I didn't either because I probably would have picked the Chiefs just because. I mean, it, that would have been stupid too because I knew all the stuff about the offensive line. It's just that's how much I respect Patrick Mahomes. Exactly. You know, Israel, I talked myself into uh, into taking Tom Brady in the under, so um, I, I was a happy man. Man, I bet I I almost bet on it, and then I didn't realize that the two tackles were new. Um, so I'm glad I didn't. I probably would have took the Chiefs, but I mean, it's hard. It's really hard to go against Tom Brady in those situations. Um, and he showed just why he is the GOAT. No doubt. No doubt. So Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. I'm interested to see what kind of uh, bets you can make on reality TV. So if you want to bet on which, uh, which Yachty gets fired on below deck, Head on to bet, bet online and bet on that. Uh, they also have a hundred hundreds of props and real time odds on almost anything you can imagine. Of course, the twenty four hour online casino. I just did a blackjack tournament. I went out in a blaze of glory, uh, but I played for about forty five minutes before I did. So it was pretty fun. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your fifty percent welcome bonus. On your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. Betonline, your online sportsbook expert. So, Dane, um, as you said just moments ago, the offseason, it never ends. So, let's, uh, I, I want to hear from you on, on the grades. Uh, Israel and I uh, did a, you know, kind of a postseason wrap and kind of debriefed the season. What grade do you give A, the season? with all the protocols and how Georgia handled all that stuff, and then the actual play on the field? I mean, in terms of handling pandemic-related things, I think you have to to give Georgia and A how it was going. Um, you know, the only canceled game was Vanderbilt, but that was not on Georgia's end. Uh, and then the delay of Missouri. But as a whole, it seemed like Georgia, you know, handled things really well and uh, kept people as safe as they could. Um, as you know, I work at the university as well at the journalism college, and uh, I've always felt very safe. And when I have to go into to do my job there, it's kind of half and half uh, for for what I do. So in terms of just overall how the team and then how the campus was handled, um, I thought I thought that was good. And in terms of the season, you know, Georgia's at the spot now where you know happiness is a product of your uh, expectations, and expectations are just so high for this team every year, and deservedly so. That's what happens when you recruit at the level that Kirby Smart has uh, had the Bulldogs doing. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it was a bit of a disappointing year because you lost to Florida, you lose the East, and, and if you look at just the talent in the SEC East, Georgia should be odds-on favorite every single year. Uh, but that's why football happens on a field and, and not on paper. Um, so, yeah, a little disappointing there, but still, uh, you know, a pretty good season. Uh, you know, <laughs> like I said, expectations get super high. Mark Rick won ten games in his final season and got fired. Uh, I don't obviously don't think anything like that's going to happen around with Kirby Smart because there's a lot of positive momentum. Um, but what I will tell you is that when you lose to Florida, a lot of people uh, get their eyebrows raised and they say, all right, we got to make sure that doesn't happen again next year. Exactly. Even when you've beat them three years in a row prior to that and, and then you lose to them and it's like, what the, what the heck's going on here? And in Israel, you and I talked about um, if we only had Miyagi there to do his little clap healing thing on JT Daniels knee, well, just one week sooner, we probably would have been in the SEC championship. Yes, most definitely. I mean, we see uh, JT's body of work when he came in. Um, and you just go back and look at the Florida game. Um, despite us not being able to cover the wheel route by the running back and tight end, I mean, we 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 missed a couple shots um, offensively that we, we probably would have hit uh, with JT in. And, and that is that is nothing um, 
uh, wrong with uh, the way Stetson Bennett played those those first two touchdowns. But, you know, when he got hurt and his shoulder was bothering him, you could tell that it was going to be a long day for Georgia. But, you know, uh, with JT, you know, it, it might have been it might have been different. Some of those deep balls we might have could have connected on and that game might have been different. The momentum probably would have swung in our in our uh, in our favorite uh, during that game. I still wonder if John Fitzpatrick brings in that catch where no one's within 10 yards of him and the ball's just in his face, but he dropped it, uh, which I know, Israel, you can probably speak to this better than me. I've been told those are some of the, the hardest catches to make sometimes because it's so wide open and it's so obvious. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's so hard. So much goes through your mind when 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 the, you're that wide open and, and the ball's coming and there's nobody around you. All you can think about is don't drop it, don't drop it, don't drop it. And the next thing you know, boom, the ball's on the ground and, and you're looking like, what just happened? I, I wonder if if Fitzpatrick brings in that catch, if that's enough momentum to establish a drive and kind of build from there. But just one of those days, you know? Yeah, just yeah I think it ahead. was. You know, that when you're that wide open, and I think it was a third down play too, and, you know, mm-hmm. Stetson hits him with, with a great ball. And they actually come back to it um, later on that game with, uh, with Mathis, and, you know, we drop it again. So, you know, it's one of those things where the stars just didn't align for us in that game, and um, we finished out the season well. Um, so we, we got a lot to build on. Um, so you know, we don't really want to harp on the past too much, but it's yes, always what if, you know, in game games and situations like that. Well, not harping on the past and looking forward to the uh, to the future is definitely. Definitely a bright thing to look at. Uh, great recruiting class for Georgia. Finished sixth in the Rivals.com rankings. Uh, got a got a boatload of talent. Got a boatload of need at the defensive back position. Dane, um, I've been reading these early enrollee uh, profiles and spotlights. And uh, out of all these guys, obviously the defensive backs are probably going to have the first opportunity to make an impact. But which one of these guys do you think, or which you know, offense and defensive guys do you think are going to make the most impact? I'm going to answer your question, but I do want to mention some news that uh, we reported at UGASports.com tonight. And it's just in terms of total, uh, you know, depth and roster management. Uh, we were under the assumption, uh, and this is, I'm saying this because the new roster for Georgia has been updated on the Georgia Dogs website. So IMG that uh, kind of hosts that on the back end, they've published the 2021 roster. Uh, so you can see that on georgiadogs.com. A couple surprises in there. One, Julian Rochester, who oh. all signs that we had been told said that he was going to walk away from football after his ACL injury. Uh, and the reporting that we have at ugasports.com is that he is working with the team and plans to come back. Uh, so there's another experienced defensive lineman trying to be in the mix. I just hope he can stay healthy. Uh, it's it's just been such a long road. He's been at Georgia forever. He's on the Ben Cleveland route at this point of uh, how many years can can he hang out in Athens, which is great. Uh, <laughs> He's trying to milk it up for everything. The, the other one, and we we kind of expected this, but Demetrius Robertson is coming back as well uh, as a receiver. So yes, I love it. It's time for him to shine. It, it's it's time, and I'm glad that he's coming back. Uh, Walter Grant was officially listed on the roster, but that's going to be one that's taken away. He's not working out with the team. Um, 
So th- those are the three names that stuck out when we looked at the rosters. Um, and if you have follow-ups, I'm happy to, to answer any of those. But to answer your initial question from the early enrollees, like you said, just because defensive back, specifically cornerback, is a the position of need, I think Nylon Green is where you go. Uh, you know, long, lanky kid from Georgia. Uh, the fact that he is an early enrollee, that's going to help him kind of get ingratiated into the system. But, you know, look, it doesn't matter how long these guys are there at this point. There is going to be some in experience in the secondary and what I said on our uh, UGA Sports Live podcast this week the best thing that Georgia can do to help young guys in the secondary is just go score a boatload of points on offense to give them some margin to make those mistakes uh, without costing Georgia football games there it is we just talked about it last week there there it is right there from the man himself you score points take us it takes a lot of pressure off those guys and it makes the other team have to have to play a little bit unorthodox football they have to score a little bit faster and they then they tend to make mistakes so there it is right there people there it is we score points on offense the defense can sit back just a little bit and, and relax and play ball I think it's also just how football's changed too though right because when you have a good quarterback that's throwing the ball accurately to fast receivers it almost doesn't matter how good the defensive back is in a lot of cases. Uh, you know, every now and again, you see a Derek Stingley freshman year at LSU where he can shut down whoever's over there. But if you've got someone playing like Joe Burrow did two seasons ago or Mac Jones this past season, it's I, I really don't care the level of defensive back play because there's going to be some plays to be made if you have enough good receivers. That's where the passing game has just exploded. And I would say the last five or six years. And we've got some of those too. I mean, we've got some guys that that have really stepped up and really kind of developed. And you know, one that I'm excited about, obviously, is Arian Smith coming back from injury. He's going to be lightning in a bottle. I mean, obviously, Jermaine Burton emerged as one of the top targets, and Kyrus Jackson, and then of course Pickens um, makes for a really dynamic receiving group. And don't count out uh, Zion Williamson. I mean, uh, uh, Darnell Washington at, at tight end. <laughs> Uh, Man, I mean, Darnell's built like LeBron. He's literally like if you look at their uh, height and Holy weight, it's cow. LeBron. Yeah, you you watch him play. It looks like he looks like he looks like LeBron would would be against a bunch of high schoolers. Like he just towers over everybody. It, it's insane. I've never seen in in college even where everyone's closer to to your size. I've never seen anybody tower over people like that. You need to get you a tight end like that for your team. That, that's going to help you as a coach. That's yeah, got to. I mean, just throw it up. I wish we could, well, because I'm telling you that the the evolution of the tight end is so different now. I mean, they can run block, they can they can go out and and, and be in trips formations. You know, you don't really have to change personnel. And when you got a guy that big and mismatching up against a, a linebacker is easy, you know, or you can spread them out wide to go against a smaller corner one on one. So I mean, having a guy with that physicality and and that good of ball skills is is a great asset. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's un, it's uncanny. I mean you saw it with Kyle Pitts, Eric Gilbert. Now you're seeing it with uh, Darnell Washington, Fitzpatrick, and this uh, the Bowers kid from from Napa, California. I mean he's got a little bit of it in him. I mean we're 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 looking pretty at the tight end position. We're looking good at the wide receiver position. Only took two receivers this this cycle. Um, obviously, uh, Dane would. Uh, is it Meeks or Mitchell? Which one do you think is going to pop first? It depends on injury recovery. Jackson Meeks uh, coming off of the the ACL. 
Uh, and I know it had been a while. You know, that's an area that I covered uh, in my previous job when I was sports director at WRBL-TV in Columbus, Georgia, Phoenix City, Alabama, right across the river. Uh, and, man, that high school has just been pumping out receivers and in, into the college ranks. Uh, and with Justin Ross and then EJ Williams, who was a freshman last year. Um, just a lot of talented athletes uh, at Phoenix City, uh, Central High School in Phoenix City. And Jackson is just the latest among those. A, a bit of a late bloomer uh, because uh, I think he had a growth spurt a little bit later, but then also he had some injuries that sidelined him a little bit. But I can, what I can tell you is that if that kid can play football in that city uh, with the amount of good athletes that are there and play basketball in that city, like I've been told he can, man, it, potential's there. Uh, so it's all about health and and how he adjusts to the college game because, uh, you know, as much as I laud 7A Alabama football, at speed's different once you get to to Athens or any of these SEC cities. It definitely is. And Jamie Dubose, which is one of his old his old coaches now down here at Lowndes, um, down here at Bad Austin. So the the scheme and the offense that Coach Dubose ran is kind of similar to what they do at Georgia. Um, so you know, aside from injury, you know, he'll he'll kind of be familiar with with how things are done and, and, and I like my, I've seen him on film and hopefully he, he comes in and, and, you know, that injury doesn't hinder him um, from, from being the player that I think he can be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, just watching his film and watching some of the things he can do. I mean, if he can recover, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be just that added depth of, of somebody that can come in, you know, you, you get a Nick, a bump or, or a scratch or something, you know, what if Marcus Roseme doesn't recover? Like, like we think he's going to or should, uh, maybe one of these two will step up. And, you know, I, I saw Donnie Mitchell being up here in Nashville. He's uh, – I mean, he played down the road at Cane Ridge, and, and he's he's lightning in a bottle. I mean, I, I think he's probably a little bit more raw as far as his route running and techniques. But and a lot of that's just a product of what they needed him for. I mean, you know, they didn't need him to run precise routes because – he was so much better than everybody. They could just, I mean, they run him on a deep post, toss it to him. It's, it, it's a house call, you know, things like that. I mean, he, he was their deep ball guy. He was like running simple routes and they were just hitting him and he was making big plays. So he's got some things to learn as far as route running goes. I I think he's a bit raw, but he's going to, when he figures it out, when everything clicks, he's going to be hell, man. Well, you know, the the first thing a lot of people are going to say is, you know, these freshmen, they're probably not going to have much of an impact this season. And uh, that's because of the depth of the position. Guys like Demetrius Robertson coming back, who probably had some other options if he wanted. Um, and that may be true. And for their development, I hope it is true. But, man, I've watched the football. I, I've seen Georgia have Todd Gurley, Keith Marshall, Nick Chubb, Sonny Michelle in the same backfield. And then Brendan Douglas has to start because of injury. Yeah. Happens. Yep. There you yes. go. There you go. We were he, uh, he single handedly almost won the Missouri game for us. I mean, his flip over into the end zone there right there toward the end to kind of seal it and and his toughness, whether it be on special teams or or pass blocking. I mean, Brendan Douglas is is a is is a very good football player and he showed it once he got the chance to shine. Yeah, no doubt. I mean he's gritty, tough, hard runner. Uh, and, and had a little bit of burst to him too, and and of course we we knew what his what his flips were like. So, yeah, very exciting class coming in. Uh, another very exciting class uh, coming around the bend in twenty twenty two. You got Gunnar Stockton. Uh, you got a couple great defensive linemen and 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 uh, Bear Alexander and and uh, Tyree West. And I mean, I, what, what what's what else is uh, with this class? I, I know Jake's probably more more on that trail than you are, but 
You know, uh, what, what, what do you think about this 2022 class? Is it going to be, is it going to stay number one? I think what you're going to see is a lot of fluidity. So you look at a guy like Bear Alexander, top defensive tackle in Texas. Well, Jimbo Fisher is at Texas A&M. Steve Sarkeesian just got all these recruiting tips from Nick Saban in Alabama for these couple of years. Uh, not that he necessarily needed it, but, you know, it helps coaches to, to see how it's done in Alabama. Uh, you think he's not going to want to be trying to, to pull all the Texas guys into the Longhorns? So, you know, I – I think Bear is a really good player. Uh, I think that if Georgia winds up with him as is committed right now, then it'll be great for the Bulldogs. But, man, it's a long way to go till December at this point. Um, and I still think that COVID is just going to ravage the recruiting ranks because until these guys can get on campus and see people in person, man, people are done with Zoom meetings uh, and the world needs to – get to the point where people can have that personal interaction again. And hopefully that's on the way because uh, until then, I think that you're going to see recruits try to stay home a little bit closer. And fortunately for Georgia, there's a lot of good athletes within the state that uh, if your entire class was just the best players in the state of Georgia, you're going to be right there at the top anyway. Exactly. And for me, I mean, you, when you go on your official visit, I mean, that that's it. You know, you go on visits and you see the town, you see the city, you see, I mean, for an athlete, you see the nightlife and things like that. And, I mean, if these kids can't get on campus and – but, you know, like you said, Barry, Texas A&M, Texas is a little bit closer to home. You can kind of travel and see those instead of coming across country to Georgia. So, um, I hope, you know, and I pray that, you know, COVID gets under control so these guys can make these trips and see – you know, he's committed to Georgia. Okay. See how beautiful Georgia is, you know, see, see the campus, you know, especially with everything new that's being built, um, you know, with, with my man, Josh Brooks, you know, getting that top golf thing going over there. Um, just, just everything in Athens, you know, and Atlanta's just a hop skip in a way too. So, I mean, just being that close to everything and, and with every, without all the defensive linemen fixing to get ready to leave and, and all that stuff. I mean, he's going to have a chance to play right off the bat. So, you know, but at the same time, you want to be happy and everything on campus, which is the most important part. So hopefully, hopefully, you know, COVID gets under control so they can make those trips. You know who became a legendary recruit, in my opinion, uh, and this was from this last cycle. And it's because of proximity as much as anything else, but it helps that Brock Vandergriff was a five-star quarterback too. When the official visits got shut down, what was happening? A lot of these guys were going to hang out with Brock Vandergriff. Oh, okay. He happens to live 10 minutes away from campus. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Nothing illegal about that. You can go to someone's yeah. house. That's it's yeah. a free country. Yep. And, exactly. Uh, that was clutch for Georgia to have that guy that close. Especially with Marius Mims, because I heard it was down to the wire with Tennessee. Yeah. That was a tight recruitment. And, uh, you know, a lot of people were saying, you know, who could have Georgia had gotten, you know, Mason Smith or Corey Foreman did COVID, you know, it, them not getting on campus did that prevent them from getting them. I look at it that way. If Amarius Mims gets out to Oklahoma, does he fall in love? Does he make a trip to USC? Uh, did COVID help them keep a guy like him? Because, you know, Cochran, Georgia to Athens is a quick little ride. Yeah. I mean, it's a give and take. I mean, yeah, you, you probably lose. You know, we lost that uh, that kid to Miami uh, because Ed Reed's right there in his backyard, and you know he could just drive down the road, get some, get a Cuban sandwich, and Ed Reed's there talking to him with that giant turnover chain that he has. Man, if you're a defensive back though, and Ed Reed's calling you, whew, I, don't, I mean, that's I don't know how. You, yeah, that's <laughs> it. I don't blame him. I mean, if if Ed Reed's knocking on my door, I'm I'm probably answering too. All right, Ed, I'll be there. Um, get my shirt ready. 
I want. I don't even care what number you give me. Just give me give me something that looks kind of cool. We're good. Exactly. Because you so. know when Ed Reed's calling these NFL GMs and be like, "Hey, this guy, yeah, he, he's one you want." I mean, you know that goes a long way. Yeah, there, yeah. Like, there's only few people in the league that probably has that kind of that kind of uh, influence. Ed Reed's definitely one of them. Peyton Manning's definitely one of them. Um, and and so those guys are probably like, "Hey, draft him or or hire him." I mean, Peyton Manning is personally responsible for for getting Adam Gase two head coaching jobs. <laughs> How I don't know, but I, I don't I know mean, if he wants that on his resume at this point. I was about to say I don't know about the head coach, or offensive coordinator, maybe head coach. Yeah, that's stretching it just a tad. Oh, it, just a tad, yeah. But Peyton Manning, like, yeah, man. Uh, Adam Gase, man, he's great, and yeah, they're probably like, All right, okay, Peyton, calm down. Yeah, simmer lay off down, the Papa John. <laughs> Been out there in Colorado too long. Um, so yeah, so this, this recruiting class is going to be exciting. I mean, you know, I can't wait to kind of see how it all shakes out. I mean, you're starting to see guys, uh, trickle in for visits. I know, uh, I know Jake, uh, Jake Johnson, uh, just got back from LSU, uh, from Oconee, probably going to join his brother. I mean, that's probably, that's probably a lock. Um, you know, the guys are starting to take visits. Guys are starting to kind of, you know, they're not these giant official visit weekends like we're used to, but you know, I think once the closer we get to summer, we're going to see. And 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 Dane, you're probably closer to the situation than Israel and I are. Uh, are they going to do camps this summer? Do you think they're going to do camps? Is they it still kind of up in the air. They they want to, but you know, a lot of that's going to depend on the status of the campus. Uh, you know, I I think kind of the general mantra for everything around the University of Georgia right now is plan as if the fall is going to be whatever normal is. I don't know if it's completely back to pre-COVID, but that's with the caveat of plan for that, uh, but then be ready to adjust as needed. Uh, And I think that goes for classes, that goes for football, that's for fans in Sanford Stadium. Uh, You know, season ticket holders got their emails this week to renew for next season, even though obviously the majority of them uh, got refunds last year and and never went to a game just because of the seating and and capacity limitations. Uh, So I think the plan is mm, COVID's hopefully going to be close to over with, but and man, every week that goes by, there's just a little more hope that you're just like, you're clinging on to it because you hope that it comes true. But, you know, yeah. for me, I, I need to see it. With, yeah. with the vaccines, I, I mean, yeah. we're seeing it in Nashville, Israel. Yeah, I was going to say, even with that, you know, with, with everything you, you've been hearing around campus and everything, is spring going on pretty much as planned. Um, and with that, will they have a spring game to bring in a couple of recruits? Not not all of them, but just the, the, one, the top guys that they want. Um, is that kind of the consensus that's going on right now? So I think the that's going to be determined by the NCAA on uh, do they give any leeway to that? Because what is it through April 1st right now, I think, is when uh, is the the dead period that keeps getting extended. Uh, that's mm-hmm. the next big decision that happens with that. I mean, Georgia's got a spring game planned on the calendar, uh, but there's no TV partner announced at the moment. There's no official time announced. It's pretty much just saying, hey, we're going to have it at this time or you know, on this day um, and whatever that means. Uh, to me, a G-Day game without fans there, that's really weird. Uh, you're just yeah, – it it's a televised practice. <laughs> I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all it is. Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of is that way now. It's a televised open practice. Now it's a televised closed practice. 
with no fans. So yeah, that's gonna be it's gonna be strange to see. You know, I I hope we can kind of get back to normal. I mean, we're going. I mean, we're, we've been the most stubborn school district in the. I feel like in the entire country, definitely in the entire state of Tennessee, um, outside of Shelby County, uh, which is Memphis. We've been the most stubborn uh, district as far as going back. We're finally going back. We get freshmen back next week, and then two weeks later, everybody else is coming in. So um, we're finally going. I think people are starting to finally get in Tennessee. We're cleared in Group One B uh, for vaccination, so they just cleared teachers, educators, and like that next tier of essential workers for for vaccination. So um, I, I think that's going to help things move in a positive direction. Even if not everybody gets the vaccination, whatever your opinion is on that, um, that's kind of irrelevant. But I think enough people are going to get it to where this thing is at least the the threat level is at least going to go from oh crap. You know, we, everyone, we, you know, looking towards another lockdown to, okay, we can manage this. You know, we can, we can take away the severe symptoms and the hospitalizations and, and, and curb the deaths and just make this thing like a, like a flu or cold. And, and, you know, you, you get it, treat it and you move on. So that's, that's kind of where we're trending towards. So hopefully wherever that leads us, maybe we can get back to some more normalcy. I'm just excited for someone to be like, Hey, who, you know, who's going to be the backup right tackle. And usually like pre COVID, I'd be like, Oh, what? who needs to know that? You know, I, I think that's a silly question, but now I'm excited for that question because it's better than, you know, are they yeah. going to practice? <laughs> Is it a Marius Mims? Is he going to be the backup right no. tackle? Let's have a conversation. Look, here's the thing about a Marius. Uh, it is hard to come into the sec and start on the offensive line, specifically at tackle. I think it's Broderick Jones is going to be the starter. That's but, my prediction. What I'm telling you is that the word around the parts up here in the northeast part of Georgia is that Amarius, whoo boy, yeah, he can do it. I'm telling you, I, I, I saw him play. I, I, I've seen it, and he is a bad man. Wow. I've seen it. Yeah. He, he is. He, he, I, th- I think he can get it done. You know, obviously the speed of the game and, you know, everybody's your size now, pretty much. I'm on the other side of the ball, but I mean, just just his body of work. I mean, he can he can get it done. So I'm I'm, ex- I'm excited of all the positions on Georgia right now. I'm excited to see that offensive line. You know, we got a couple uh, to replace, um, and the fact that you got some big, beautiful, heavy bellies coming in just makes me excited. And whether he starts or not, he'll play because Amarius Mims is a three and done guy. <laughs> yeah, he is. I, I think, you know, I, I think it's going to be, you know, he'll play and then I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to stand by my prediction. I, you know, and day and correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, but I think it's going to be Broderick Jones starting at right tackle. And then when Jamari Sawyer moves, moves on to the NFL to make mega millions, um, that's where it gets interesting. Does Amarius Mims move over to the left side? Does Broderick Jones move over? Does it be something completely different? I don't know, but that's just my prediction because Broderick Jones is I've, I'm hearing is, is impressing. Are you saying that as if Sawyer is the left tackle? Oh yeah, because I don't think so. I think he moves to guard. You think he moves in? Yeah. So just like he did in the bowl game. Okay, I thought that was a temporary thing, but mm, I think that's not. gonna be permanent. Okay. And I think that that's probably one of the ways that he's coming back uh, because he is absolutely not a tackle at the next level. So he needs right. more you know, tape for these NFL guys to show what he can do a guard. Hmm. 
Interesting. See, we can't we can't get that insight uh, from anybody else except for uh, Dwayne Young. Hey, uh, no. as, as you're being paged on uh, UJ Sports, <laughs> Dwayne Young, Dwayne Young. Uh, so yeah, no, it's uh, okay. Jamari Sawyer, left guard. That's interesting. So what what does that do to the tackle spots now? Yeah, that makes right? that makes things interesting. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does. That, that's why I'm telling you. I don't know if it's left or right side. Now, how crazy would it be if, if a team as talented as Georgia starts the season with a true freshman left tackle? Ooh. With, with that quarterback before. with a history of knee injury, I, I don't know that that's the smartest that's a, thing that's to do. That's a scary but, thing. But, but what I'm telling you is that if there is a recent recruit that Mike could handle that, I'm throwing so many qualifiers. I'm just not yeah. willing to go out on that limb. It's it's uh that's uh, that's a tough limb to rock to, to walk out on right now. Um, I, I think there's a lot of room for Amarius to jump up there. Is kind of what I'm saying because uh, Xavier Trust did not have a, a great performance. I thought when you know right. he had his time to shine. Yeah. Um, so you know I think you're looking at Broderick Jones, Warren McClendon. You know it's yeah. There, there's room there for some movement. Uh, and so it's also going to, you know, what's going to happen is some of these guys on the inside, you're replacing your, your starting center too. With, is that, is that Van Pran or, or do you, do you move another, does Schaefer, can Schaefer snap? Can I see, I think Schaefer is going to be right guard. I think that's pretty much set in stone. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, the, I, uh, I, I think you're looking at either Erickson or, or Van Pran. Um, okay. And maybe a competition with those two. What about Webb? I think Webb's probably more of a guard uh, from what we've been told and probably more of a reserve guard uh, to start okay. the season. Okay. But, you know, he's got an interesting role too because in the goal line set, he's one of those guys in the jumbo package that gets in there as either an H-back or a fullback. And just ram, just ramrods it, man. I love it. This this uh, this hog talk, man. This is going to be it's going to be interesting to see how this kind of thing unfolds. Yeah. This is this is why I want spring practice. I want I want to see Project Jones and Marius Mims, Warren Erickson, uh, Warren McClendon. Uh, you know those guys. You know, see see what see what emerges out of there. I'm I'm rooting for Cedric Van Pran to be the center. I think he's extremely talented. I think he can, I think he can handle it if if he just goes out and does it. Yeah, is there's nothing like seeing and having heavy bell. I call them heavy bellies because I love them. Uh, yeah. There's nothing that, and me and Corey, you know, being offensive corners, there's nothing like having heavy bellies in constant rotation. And right now, I, I that's wish, what we have. I wish I could get a few. I, I, I really, <laughs> we we graduated. See, we we had our fair share of health, heavy bellies the last couple of seasons, um, and we've graduated all of them. So we're we're gonna. I mean. Ooh, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to, to figure out what we're going what we're gonna do. We have a kid named Lucky that's gonna be starting for us, so maybe maybe that'll come to fruition. And we have a basketball kid who who played football for the first time last year as a freshman, uh, got some time in at uh, offensive right tackle for us. So it's gonna be interesting. And then we have a bunch of well, I don't know what we have, so it's gonna get interesting. It out. We'll figure, we got a whole lot of, we're going to figure it out. So maybe we can put some athletes there and, and, you know, our, our quarterback situations changed. Um, so we're, we're going to be, we're going to be getting creative as far as how we move the ball. So you we know, one thing that hurts you is in the Super Bowl when you have an offensive lineman dropping a touchdown pass, because that could have inspired so many linemen to, to get know. back in, in the I trenches know. and know that one day you'll be rewarded. One day you'll have that tackle eligible seam route that you can yes. go up and get. I mean, we have a basketball kid. He plays center. Well, he's not playing much right now because he had a, uh, I guess, a, 
avulsion fracture in his leg. Um, so he's not really playing much right now <clears throat> in basketball. He 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 waited till at least basketball season to get himself injured, so that's good. Um, but uh, you know, maybe maybe he'll be sour on basketball. No, I'm just kidding. I want him to play as many sports as possible. But um, so yeah, offensive line issues. Uh, I, I, we need to get some hogs down uh, over over at Hillwood. We need to get some hogs wearing green and white. So that's what we need. I am an offensive coordinator that does throw it to my linemen. I, I have an unbalanced set. We, matter of fact, I threw a touchdown to my uh, starting left tackle uh, last year in a play semifinal game. So yeah, I'm not afraid. I am not afraid to send him in the flats and give him the ball. Look at you, Israel. You are hey, see well make it so bad he dropped the ball every single day at practice. Every day <laughs> leading up to the game. Every day he dropped it. And you still threw it to him. And I, I said, I'm throwing you the ball. And he said, Yes, sir. And he called it. I'm talking about if you could have seen how happy he was <laughs> when he finally called it. And I mean it, it was it was great to see. Oh, Good man. for you for calling his number, even after in practice he didn't show it. Because that that's a that's a good coaching move right there. That's showing some trust. That is hey, showing man, trust. Gotta, and your head you coach is probably happy. Yeah. Look, he my head coach is like, "What are you doing?" Because I told him I was going to do it, and my head coach is like, "Don't do it." And I was like, "I'm going to do it." <laughs> and I and he said, "Don't do it." I said, "Okay." So I ran to play anyway, and luckily <laughs> it scored. <laughs> and he probably looked at you goes, "If that didn't score, I was going to fire you." <laughs> If you he he looked at if looks could kill he looked at me and was like I cannot believe you did it anyway but he was so happy because we scored anyway I was like see it worked yeah you just point at the scoreboard at that point <laughs> and then just go on your merry way and say okay here yep. we go let's do it again yeah let's dial it up it's a perfect play so um what's what's going on with our basketball team uh, I think that game is about to be over right ten point uh, loss something like that yeah. I'm, I mean, Tennessee's a talented team, so that's an expected. I was about to say, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Ten points to Tennessee. I think they're ranked number fifteen. I'm okay with that. You know, Final. It, it seems eighty nine to eighty one. Yeah, points. it's on the Australian Open. Look at me trying to sound Australian. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that loss. Obviously, you don't want to lose, but you know, me and Corey, Corey you and I talk about it all the time. As long as we're competitive and we're getting better and better each week, we're that much closer to being a complete basketball team. And tonight, that shows against a very good Tennessee team that we're we're getting there. We're we're getting closer and closer. No doubt. And uh, you know we're, you know that that takes us to five and seven in conference, which we were fighting and clawing to get back into there. What, Dane? What was the what was the big turning point in the season? Like what 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 clicked all of a sudden? You know, I think it's just continuity, right? And guys play together a little bit longer. You don't get that a lot in, in college basketball. And, you know, this team had to learn how to play without Anthony Edwards because when, you know, things got uh, rough last season, the ball was always going to be in his hands because of the talent he is and the athlete that, that he is. So they had to kind of relearn how to play basketball. Um, I Frankly, I think that if this team gels and can keep eking out a few more wins – I think it may be critical to save Tom Green's job just because I don't think the yeah. recruiting has been there for what he no. needs um, at the level of what Georgia may want. Now, look, you know, you talked about Josh Brooks earlier, Israel. Uh, is he ready to to make that move so soon in his tenure? I, I have no idea. Um, that, that's a tough one, especially now, you know, coming. I'm pretty sure he's 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 developed a good relationship with him, you know, because I'm telling you, one thing about Josh, I mean, he gets to know everybody, mm-hmm. you know, and, and now that he's the AD, he has to know everybody. So um, I think 
like I said, in order to save Coach Crean, I think Coach Crean's the guy in my paint. I really do. But like you alluded to earlier, I mean, we just don't have the guys, you know, that he's used to having, you know, with his basketball team. So I think if we can continue to be competitive, you know, we have a good showing in a tournament and maybe get in the tournament and or, I mean, NC tournament, then get in the tournament or, you know, have a good showing in NIT. I mean, you never know what might happen after that. But if we falter now and, you know, things get bad, he, he might have to, you know, cut the fat and say, look, coach. I mean, we just have to go a different direction. You you battled tight. I, I think that he'll give him the benefit of the doubt. And if anything, that's a good financial move for Georgia. Uh, is you know, it, you know, this is a building program. He's shown a little progress this season compared to to last year. Let him get another shot at it for for another season. Um, mm-hmm. But in state recruiting specifically has got to get better for Georgia basketball. There are far too many good basketball players in the state of Georgia that don't play college basketball in Athens. Uh, and yeah, that's not exactly. just a Tom Green problem. That's happened for a long no. time. Yeah, you you are you are exactly right. Because I mean, you go right down the road to Atlanta. You got Westlake. You got Grayson. You got Norcross. You got all the Gwinnett schools. And I mean, look look at what's going on. We got Mike Mercer out of South Gwinnett. You know, a couple of years ago. But I mean, other than that, I mean, what what else are we getting? You know, so you know, you got to you get there. Basketball is good down here in South Georgia, yeah, but we're, we're we're football down here in South Georgia. But if you want basketball, you go to Atlanta, get those guys out of there. And yeah, you got to keep them in state. Exactly, and I mean, you're, obviously, you're going to lose one to, to Duke, you're going to lose one to North Carolina, you're going to lose one to the Blue Bloods, but you can't be losing recruits to Florida State. You can't be losing recruits to Auburn, who is uh, much like Georgia. Their their tradition lies with the round mound of rebound. Georgia's basketball tradition lies solely with Dominique Wilkins. Um, you, you can't lose battles to teams that are equal playing field with you, especially when it's your home state. And that's where he's got to turn the tide, and then maybe he gets a couple of those guys, and then maybe we turn it around, and then maybe we start competing with, okay, I'm going to stay in state instead of going to North Carolina. I'm going to make I'm gonna blaze my trail in Athens. Anthony Edwards – laid the foundation for that. Anthony Edwards said, hey, I'm going to go to Georgia. It's probably not the popular choice, but I'm going to go to Georgia. He was the number one pick in the NBA draft. He's killing it for the Timberwolves. Maybe who's next in that line? Tom Crean's got to find him. And what I don't like hearing is when people are like, you know, basketball is just not going to be a priority at Georgia. This is just going to be what it is. Not, no, under Josh not at all. No, no, no. Go look at Alabama right now. That is a really good and well-coached and well-recruited basketball team. First with guys that are in the state, right? You look they at built it slow. Kyra Lewis from the Huntsville area with the Pelicans uh-huh. now. They got yeah. him. Uh, Colin uh-huh. Sexton with the Cavaliers. Yeah. Um, like you said, and that's been multiple coaches. This has been a while, but – Obviously, basketball is not the focus in Tuscaloosa, but they turned into a really good program. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it doesn't have to be the primary focus. You don't have to be Duke, um, but you can still recruit some really good talent. And Tom Crean's a good enough coach that if you get him a Victor Oladipo type or if you get him an Anthony Edwards type and, and maybe one more guy uh, that's competent, he can show you that he can he can do a few things. But but don't let him get Darnell. Leave Darnell at football. Yeah, he, leave he Dar- yeah, Darnell. <laughs> Darnell, stay at tight end, please. Um, we need you there. Uh, of course, if you go and dunk on a few people, play ten minutes a game, get a few highlight dunks, uh, just for recruiting purposes. I'm I'm with that. He better be able to dunk. What if he couldn't? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine six seven? You walk out looking like LeBron James, and you can't dunk. 
Uh, how 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 crazy that was! My high school, we had we had our center. Our center was six foot six. He was uh, my senior year. Kid couldn't dunk. Six six hmm. basketball player starter couldn't dunk. Couldn't That's dunk. Rough. That, that he could like slap was. the backboard when he when he made a layup, but he couldn't dunk. We called him Big County because he wore goggles. <laughs> called him Big County. <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, you know. And I think having the, uh, you know, having the fans back in the stag will, will also bring uh, some electricity there. And and I think, you know, basketball's got to go the way of baseball. Baseball is a, a competent program now. Baseball is, is is in a position where they're getting some studs and they're starting to compete, uh, getting back to their 2008 form where they were uh, should have been College World Series champions. But um, that's neither here nor there. But they're, you know, they did it slow. It, it was one point where. We thought Scott Strickland was going to be showing the door, and then all of a sudden it turned, it turned in his favor. So maybe you know, maybe with a couple of recruits in basketball, you, you just need one guy really to turn the tide to elevate everybody else, and then it gets that ball rolling. Israel, what was the best pickup game that you played at Ramsey? Oh man, we had some epic battles at Ramsey. Um, you know, after we got done with mat drills and, and everything, you know, we had a little time before spring football, so you know, like we'd all get like. Marlon Brown was a basketball player. Uh, Tavares King was a basketball player. Muhammad Massaqua was a basketball player. So, I mean, we go in there and, and get, you know, pick up game against uh, some of the Razzes, you know, uh, the regular students in there. And I'm talking about you got football players in there bodying the, these regular students. And it it would get brutal. I it, it get brutal in there. Um, we, we had some epic battles in there, um, you know. I didn't realize, you know, who's really athletic was athletic at the time and probably still is, is Jarvis Jones. Jarvis Jones had some bunnies on him that he can get up. Um, and obviously, we had Brandon Boykin who can jump out the gym. So, um, yeah. I mean, we we had some, we had some, we we could go out there right now and and compete, you know, and and at least one good game, you know, on on the SEC schedule, you know, with the crew that we had back then. Man, Those I would regular love to students, see that. they they would talk about that on campus the rest of the week, even if they got beat by forty or whatever. Oh, I, I hit a three on Brandon Boykin right in his face. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that man. Israel troop man, he couldn't guard me. <laughs> man, it, it it was fun, man, because I mean they they wouldn't expect us to come in, and you know we we never really went over there uh, very often, but when we did, you know, it was always a good time, and you know, and you know, we we just had a great time, you know, because you never realize how athletic some of these guys are. You know, like you got big linemen out there. I'm talking about that can move up and down a basketball court. You know, so it was good to see that that everybody is athletic in other sports as well. You know, um, so it, it was fun. And then when Jay Rome, when Jay Rome came, and obviously we know his pedigree, and you know from um, his his uh, athletics down here about Austin and who his dad was. You know, when he came in, I mean, we we had a we had a full ten man roster, baby. We was ready to go. Now, how much trash talking did you do, Israel? A lot. Um, yeah. I, we we did a lot. You know, sometimes you know basketballs get thrown at, at people, um, <laughs> so you, you just never know what what might happen. You know, sometimes we had to get out of there real quick. You know, we win a game, hit a buzzer beater, and you know them guys didn't like it, so we had to get out of there fast. So uh, now, now were I mean, you the? It, it was a great time. Were you the loud guy, or were you kind of like the Reggie Miller guy that would like kind of poke at people? Oh no, I, I was. I, I was a poker, uh, but after a while, I get loud. It, well, it depended on the energy that the other team was given. You know, if, if they were loud, then I got loud. 
Right. You know, but most of the time I just say, you sorry, bro. You, you can't play. Like just get off the court. <laughs> yeah. I, I was definitely, I was definitely a, a prodder. I, I was like, I was like, Hey, uh, you're not, I, I would like back up from the three point line, and be like, I'll give you that. You're not going to hit that anyway. You're not going to make that. It's okay. <laughs> You had like, mentioned Jarvis Jones. I, I have a theory I want to run by you because I have, I have not run this by another former player. Uh, mm-hmm. So anytime that I've ever seen Jarvis Jones, uh, when he's not on the football field, he was in the he's sweatpants. Uh, oh, yeah. So my theory was that nobody chills with the efficiency of Jarvis Jones. Man, he is, you know, because he went to Southern Cal um, out of high school. Um, so he kind of – yeah, he had that Southern Cal kind of swag when he first got there. And when he came, I mean, it was just – he was the most chill person ever. You know, you can sit there, you can have a conversation with him, and he's always smiling. And I've, I've never seen him upset, you know. And, and then you watch him on the football field, you're like, this guy's an angry man. You know, he's blowing by, you know, tackles and making tackles and showing emotion. But once we get back in the locker room, it's just like the most chill guy you've ever met in your whole entire life. Yeah, that's that's gonna be a future college coach because you know he's been doing the the GA stuff and working on the side. He he'll be he has the demeanor for it. That's for sure. If, if he wants to be, he'll be rising up those ranks. Most definitely. I mean, he he's a he would be a player's coach. You know, he he can he can rah rah and get you going if he wants to. But after that, I mean, he's just real chill. Um, and it helps too that his guy Dale McGee is right there beside him uh, all the time. Yes, that's right because he coached him. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was and that's Carver. how Dell is too. Dell's chill until it's time to be fiery, and then he lights into you. But then he goes back to being Dell. Exactly. Yeah. There's there's really no up and down with them. They kind of pretty much stay even keel. You know what I mean? It's like, all right, he's excited, and that's how that's how you say like, oh, he's excited. And then when he's back normally, like, well, there he is again. You know, it's never like, oh man, he's excited. You know what I mean? It's never like, yeah. oh, it's like, well, there he goes. He, he's ready yeah. to go. Well, I'll, that's confirmation. Nobody chills like Jarvis Jones. Thank you for that. <laughs> Ultimate chill mode. So yeah, I mean, it's 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 crazy, man. It, it's uh, you know those you know I got a few stories from those games too. Back in uh, back in Ramsey, we went up against like Kedrick Golston and you know those guys like Ray uh, Ray Gant, not Ray mm-hmm. Gant. Um, what's his name? The the other defensive lineman that 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 looked him and Kedrick were almost twins. Um. Anyway, you some of them big boys throwing their bodies at you there. Yeah, huh. yeah. We would, uh, and you know, <laughs> I'm like, uh, I'm like a fish out of water, man. I'm, I'm like trying to trash talk <laughs> my way into a few buckets, and and uh, you know, you got Kedrick running the court. Uh, you know, like some of these big linemen, uh, like Michael Cooper, Tyson Browning. You know, those guys were were the ones oh, that yeah. were that were lighting it up. And uh, yeah, it was crazy. I've heard from it's so many crazy. coaches though that like when when they really want to see how athletic uh, one of their, especially if it's like a linebacker or, or even defensive lineman, now they like to go to their basketball games even probably more so than their football games in some cases. And man, I think that's of a guy Thomas like Davis. Got well, I think of a guy like Trayvon Walker, who yeah. man, that guy was a really good basketball player in high school. Yeah. I mean that it, it helps. I mean it it shows you it shows you competitiveness and athleticism and explosion uh, in in a different setting, and I think that's important. Mm-hmm. And um, you know Thomas Davis was like they you know they were there. Uh, his story is they were uh, Van Gorder was there to watch somebody else, and he saw Thomas Davis. Um, 
throw an interception and run the guy run the guy down and destroy him. And then he came back to one of his basketball games and offered him um, after he watched him play basketball. And he was like, "Man, I got to have this guy." So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's the whole multi. It, it's it's the whole reason I preach multi sport because a exactly. you're only in high school once. Go play everything you you can possibly play. If you can make the baseball team, by all means, go go play baseball. If you want to play golf, if you want to play soccer, if you want to wrestle. If you want to, well, you can't really run cross country and do football at the same time, but uh, you probably could. Actually, you just go and run the meet real quick and go to practice. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if if you want to play whatever sport you want to play, doesn't matter. Go play it by all means. Go play it. You're in high school once, and and it shows a different level of competitiveness. It it, it gives you a whole different skill set. Like what mm-hmm. I loved about baseball was it really worked worked hand eye coordination. I felt like I was a better pass catcher as a fullback because of baseball. Now, obviously, that didn't get me anywhere, but you glossed over the fact that there was a coach because Thomas Davis is from he, he was born in Shelman, Georgia, which yeah, Mary Persons. Uh, he, he went to Randolph Clay, didn't he? I thought he went to Mary Persons. Mm, now, if he went to Mary Persons, that's a different story. I thought he went to Randolph Clay because to me, the, the part of that story would be crazy is uh, let, me, let me look this up. How some coach would go to Randolph Clay to see someone else and then find Thomas Davis. Cause that's like yeah. diamond in the rough kind of stuff. He's just like, there's, there's, yeah, that's a small school. And Shelman yeah, is one of my mentors was a preacher in Shelman at one point. Cause my first job yes. was down in Albany at a WALB. Uh, and there so ain't nothing, there ain't nothing in, in, at Randolph Clay. And, and to piggyback off of Corey, I mean, I also do the same thing with my guys. Cause I mean, each sport teaches you, a different skill and it also teaches you a different mindset. You can't go and play basketball and, and bully people, you know, to a certain extent the way you do them in, in football. So um I, I have a my tight end who he just signed with Georgia Southern and and we had to he has to go into basketball mode. You know, he's used to full full blown contact and he's out there hacking people the first two games of <laughs> basketball season. So it's like, dude, calm down, it's basketball season. Yeah. You know, and and when we go to the Ramsey, you know, it's hard to trash talk a football player, you know, because, I mean, I, I've gone against Brandon Spikes. And if you've never played against Brandon Spikes, he is by far the best trash talker I've ever met in my whole entire life. Um, what what he, does he, he say? Will, and, and, by, it, and by the it, way, it, Dane, you're right. He went to Randolph Clay. I don't know where I got married persons from. I'm thinking of somebody else. Uh, Okay, go he, ahead. He, he said some things that, I, one, I can't repeat on this podcast or I get fired, but he, um, he he's good. He, he is very good. And you got the Pouncy Twins. You know, I played with them in an all-star game, and it's like, well, how did you come up with – you came up with that so fast. You know, so we get we go to Rams and these guys, these regular – these I call them Razzes. You know, um, <laughs> I think we know what that but, means. <laughs> <laughs> and they try to trash talk us, and it's like, dude, no, just just sit down. Like, don't don't, don't even try, you know, because it's that mentality that you get um, from playing football that it it carries over to to different sports, and that and that's why I always encourage it because I mean, you learn the discipline and and the mindset of each sport. You just gotta, you know, tone down the physicality of whatever sport you're playing. Like you say, I played baseball as well, so hand eye coordination was great for me. Um, during baseball season, so and it helped me uh, during football season when the season came around. 
there's something with basketball too just about physically you're not wearing all the gear so you're kind of like stripped down a little bit to where you're kind of forced to control your emotions you don't have the helmet and and the face mask and the shoulder pads and all that stuff that uh, can physically weigh you down but then also protect you in any kind of altercation in basketball if it gets down to altercation time it's (laughs) you and the other guy on the floor yeah or 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 you take a you take a you know gone are the days where you drive down the lane and get put put on the floor uh you know that's a that's an ejection now but it used to just be a personal foul but um but my first coaching stop at father ryan here in nashville i I spent two seasons at father ryan high school here it's a private catholic school we had a like rugby's starting to become big here in middle tennessee i don't know if it's i don't know if it's taken off in, in georgia but it's starting to like it's starting to sprout up here in middle tennessee and a lot of our football players would play rugby in the oh, spring. That's, that's bad. That's bad for everybody. You mean to tell me I get to hit people for free? Now yeah. I don't have to worry about shoulder pads or nothing. Shoot. Yeah, they would. I mean, and our rugby team was huge. Like we had, and and we had one of the biggest rugby programs in the state, uh, in the state of Tennessee. And it was in, like it was like I would go to a few of these games. It's insane to watch these guys play. And a few of them, we had uh, a kid that played guard for us. And we were an option team, so he was, you know, he was an athletic guard that would that would, you know, pen and pull and all that stuff and get on the mm-hmm. edge and climb it to the next level. He got a rugby scholarship to MTSU and played rugby. Man. Yeah. I that's, mean there's there's scholarship that's, money for that stuff. That's getting right there. One yeah. sport I wish we did have when I was in high school was lacrosse. I would have played the hell out of it. I would have played because, the hell out of rugby. Yeah, and, and lacrosse, I mean, as a foot think about this as a football player as well. You know, we talk about all these sports, but you know, a sport that you never think about is lacrosse. You're giving a football player a stick that he gets to run around and hit people with the whole the whole game. You know, he yeah. just gets – I get to hit people with the stick. Man, please, I would have had a great time in lacrosse. I'm still on the football field. Yeah. And I get to hit people with a stick. Exactly. And then I, you get the benefits of the hand-eye coordination from all the passes and everything. Exactly. Ex- see, it all works. It all goes uh-huh. hand in hand. I would have probably played goalie and got the reaction time uh, <laughs> stuff going down, but yeah, I would have loved to gone around and just whack people. I, I was actually we were I was at a friend's house, and this was probably junior senior year high school somewhere around there. We're just chilling. We're we're flipping through channels, and you know we, we go to like Fox Sports South, you know, you know, or like the even like the more uh, like the even the 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 level down from Fox Sports South, even like. I think it was like what Peachtree TV was. Um, Mm -hmm. And we stroll across a lacrosse game. And I look at him. He's like, what is this? What is this bull crap? You know, or we didn't say bull crap, but what is this BS? I was like, oh, lacrosse, man. Let's watch this. Let's just see what, like, what is lacrosse? Let's see what this whole sport is about. They're like running around with sticks and these weird looking helmets. And it's, it's, it looked very weird at, at the first. And then like within the first, two minutes of us watching we saw five people get whacked like <laughs> full-on slashed with a lacrosse stick and i was like i looked at him he looked at me and we we're like what is this game and why is this game not not in school right now you can tell who the really good athletes are though by the ones that like pick up something like that that they just have no familiarity with and then yeah. are good at it immediately one uh-huh. of the stories that, that i remember covering uh down in columbus well this was in hogansville <laughs> Uh, Terry Godwin, he played baseball, football, basketball. He just got bored one day and walked over to the soccer field and started to, to be the goalkeeper. I was like, man, mm-hmm. this guy. Yeah. 
There's a funny story about that. My buddy, uh, he coaches wide receivers at Lounge, and they're about to have their their banquet, but they had, like, workouts before, and he's a soccer coach as well. And um, he was working with a kid. He said, hey, guys, y'all can, you know, y'all can go. He And let, he just happened to have soccer balls out there. He had turned around for two seconds. Next thing you know, his kids are out there just kicking the soccer ball. I'm talking about full-blown game going across the football field, you know, and it's like, these guys are athletic. Like you said, you don't realize it till, you know, opportunity presents itself. I'm talking about they got a goalie. I'm talking about they're going absolutely crazy out there just playing soccer. You know, so, I mean, the, these kids these days, they, they that's what they need. They need, you know, more sports to play. And and any coach that doesn't allow them to do that is is hindering themselves, in my opinion. And that's one thing in my experiences, Israel, and, and you may, I don't know if you've had the same at, at the places you've been, but the thing that annoys me the most is when, and it's typically with basketball coaches, and really a lot of a lot of it's baseball and basketball coaches uh, where I've been, I don't know about you, but uh, they just hoard these kids, they just hoard these kids, and, and they, they're like, oh, you can't play. Like, we, we had a kid that wanted to play football, and the basketball coach said, hey, if you if you miss basketball workouts in the summer... Like summer open gym workouts, you're gonna lose your starting position, and the kid, you know, the kid was basically bullied into sticking with basketball. And the kid was six foot seven, uh, you know, he was real, real skinny, but he was six foot seven, would have been a hell of a receiver. But was told that he was gonna lose his starting position in basketball. And the kid would have not lost his starting position in basketball. He's six seven, you know. The only reason he he's not playing in college right now is because of grades and he ended up just kind of falling by the wayside because of grades. But, um, I just, I've never seen anything like that. And like the baseball coach was like, we, we would have so many kids that would be, you know, three, four weeks late to, to training camp because they were playing summer baseball and they didn't want to jeopardize their standing in summer baseball. You know, it's just stuff like that that irritates me. Uh, any coach and, and Dan, you, you can you can back me up on this because I know Coach Smart feels the same way. They love athletes that play multiple sports. Um, that's what that's one thing that I talked to Coach Coach Smart a couple years ago, and I was down there. He said, "I love kids that play multiple sports." And any coach that doesn't allow that is is fooling themselves. Because I mean, when I my first year at Georgia, and I played baseball, and Coach Rick allowed me to go work out with the baseball team, and their workouts are totally different. You know, and a lot of coaches don't realize this. When it when a when you have a football player, say he goes to basketball, I mean, they can still do the football workout. You just modify the weight. I mean, it's pretty much the same thing. You got LeBron James who just worked out three hours before a basketball game. You know, and I mean, you you just look at these guys, and you know that that and that's the thing though. You can't hoard players. These kids need to go out and and experience these other sports and do other things like that. So. I mean that that's crazy. I, I would never, I would never do that. I've had it, I've seen it done before, and I've kind of, you know, backdoored the coach a little bit and be like, "Dude, you go do that, and just see me later." You know, we'll make it up. But you know, you you can't you can't hinder a kid. You only you're only in high school one time. You know, and, well, and specializing in just one sport is just crazy to me. There, there's obviously the benefits of playing multiple sports, like physically, just to you know work on different muscles and skill sets and, and things. But mm-hmm. man, mentally, just to kind of get in the strategy of winning another game, that's so helpful. Um, I you know I I was a tennis player, um, you know later in high school, and we would have football <laughs> players that that 
would play tennis because the the seasons were opposite each other. Uh, and I always thought that was probably pretty helpful for them because they're used to such a ultimate team sport. And then in tennis, man, it's, it's you. Uh, and if you yeah. win, it's you. And if you lose, it's you. Uh, so I thought that probably built up some mental toughness when you have, you know, people that did stuff like swimming or, or track or uh, golf, golf or like or, you know, any of those things where it's a bit more individualized. I, I felt like that made you a better teammate because then you could say I can handle my own and then also play on a team. Exactly. You look at any roster now, any roster that you go at any, any college, how many of those kids only play football? I mean, very few, even, probably. Even even your big linemen play another sport, whether it's throwing the shot, putting discus in track, whether it's basketball. I mean, you, the the more athletic and the more I mean, the more sports they play, the more athletic they'll get. You know, and then that's what these college coaches are looking for. A lot of coaches won't take a kid who just who just plays football. I want to see how athletic you are in other things. You know, so and that that's one thing that that Urban Meyer harps on as well. You know, when he was in the in the college ranks. How many sports can you play? You know, what is your mentality when you play these different sports? And that's what coaches want to see. And, you know, if high school coaches are hindering these kids, then they're, they're setting them up for failure. You had to be a stolen base machine in baseball, right? I was. I mean, <laughs> I, I was, you know, my, my very first year, uh, I was a freshman going against Buster Posey, um, who still, by, who still hit, has hit the farthest home run I've ever seen in person. Um, <laughs> He, I mean, when you're a freshman, you're the leadoff batter, and you see 96 three times, um, and you're just like, well, he got me, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, um, but I mean, it 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 was it was a great time, and like you said, we can sit here and talk stories all day because I mean that that was fun, you know. And and I think I think the the illusion now is high school's a grind, you know, and and it is in in a sense, but I mean, high school's fun. It's just uh, any person. For for most people, um, you, you, I'd trade to go back to high school. My senior year right now, I'd, I'd give my left pinky toe right now to go back. I'd get more than my from, left pinky toe, but yeah. <laughs> yeah I get just, what you're just saying. From, just from uh, the sports factor and, and you know, and the, and the things we did and all that good stuff. So, um, coaches, don't hinder your kids from playing other sports. And, and then, like I said, Coach Smart said himself, the more these kids play, the more at the more sports these kids play, the more athletic they get, the more I'm going to want to see them. Corey, I know this is your show, so tell me to shut up if it's time to, to wrap. But uh, I, I <laughs> don't up, to talk no, to Israel quite as much. Uh, <laughs> you know, you're good. You're good. I, I need to see if I follow you on Twitter, Israel. If not, I'll, I'll remedy that. Just when you look at Georgia's receivers for the upcoming mm-hmm. season, just a variety of skill sets is what I see. But you view it from a different lens, having done that. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you seeing in terms of of how they maximize those different skill sets? Um, I, I like the way they move them. Um, I think Coach Munkin um, and Coach Hang has done a great job of of moving those guys. You know, I, I viewed uh, Curious Jackson when I saw him. You know, when he was at Peach County, you know, he was more of an outside guy. But they moved them inside now. You know, um, you know, with Jermaine Burton, they've got some some um, some formations where he's inside. And he's he's on linebackers and safeties now, you know. Um, I think they're. I, I hope they do is, is move Pickens a little bit on the inside and, and let him work. Um, and that, and that's it. Just just moving those guys and finding out what they do well and finding your mismatches. That's one thing that Alabama does well. That's one thing that LSU did well last year. Um, is just moving those guys and figuring out what they can do, um, 
whether you know they're they're a dominant force outside, you know, where where you can move around. Shoot, you can put one at running back. You know, we use Rantavius Wooten um at running back a couple times, you know, in Coach Bobo's offense. So just finding out what mismatch you can use with with your speed guys um is the key to success. And and I like the I like the the uh, recipe that they're doing right now. And I think Coach Munkin, you know, now that he has a solidified quarterback now. Um, he got a lot of talent return. I think he's going to do a lot more of that this year, um, especially after watching what Alabama did this year. You got Devontae Smith on a safety and a linebacker. I mean, come on, who's going to win that matchup? Exactly. There's a lot of names in that group, but I'll tell you one that at least I'm hearing buzz around that uh, right when his injury happened, things were beginning to really click, which is always a good yeah. sign, and that's Rosemary Jack Saint. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing I heard really a lot good things him. about he- him. I mean, they threw him in the Florida game and he catches a touchdown. You know, it's like, hey, all right, here we go. And then you, I, I hate to see it. It was a good tackle, in my opinion. Um, and, uh, you know, you hate to see it. But I think when he comes back, he bounces back. I mean, we got a stable of horses in that receiver room. I mean, you just pick one you want to throw it to now. You know, and, and that's and that's what you need. You got you've, – you've solidified your receiver room now. Your quarterback feels comfortable. He knows. Um, their skill set and how to get in the ball and how to throw in the ball. And so now it's just, all right, let's go to work. Yeah, it's a good problem. To ha- well, it's not really a problem, but it's, it's, a, it's a good thing that, you know, that, that that position group has really kind of turned around, and that was going to be one of those that was starting to become Kirby Smart's Achilles heel was was that receivers group as far as not being able to get big plays out of them and, and, and not be able to tap into that potential uh, that they that they always had. and you know, as a group, now you have some some outliers in there, obviously, but as a group, as a whole, you weren't getting the production that you needed. Now you are. Now the lid's about to be blown off this uh, this offense, and I think we've got the right guy and Monken to lead it all and to figure it all out. That's a chicken or the egg thing, though, right? So, like, yeah. did, did they not throw it downfield as much because they didn't have the receiver talent they wanted, or did they not throw his field down much because that wasn't the identity of the team? Well, it's probably a little bit of both. Yeah, wh- whatever it is, it seems like it flipped around the same time to yeah. where this coming season can be set up the way that it is. I mean, I, I think you make your own identity. I mean, I think it's, you know, I, I think if we had a, a top-flight receiver um, in those early years, maybe we throw it a little bit more. Um, but we had top-flight first round running backs. I mean, we had Sony, we had three, I mean, I, you know, Chubb and Chubb and Swift might as well be first rounders. They're close enough to the first round to kind of be like first round plus. So you had Sony who was a first rounder, Chubb who was two picks into the second round and Deandre Swift, who was like three or four picks into the second round, all three of those guys on the team at the same time. What is your identity going to be? You know, you're going to run the ball. You're gonna you're with gonna the line offensive up. linemen that they've had in front of exactly. them too. Exactly, like exactly. You get Andrew Thomas out there. You just wherever he is, go behind yeah. him. Yeah, it, it was it Two was perfect for the time. On the first line as well. I mean, shoot, I yeah. know what I'm gonna do. Yeah, <laughs> I'm it, the ball. It, it was perfect. It was what we needed at the time. Now what we need is now we need to open it up. We got the guys to do it. And and so that's going to be our identity next year. You're, you champions are the combination, shift. though. Champions are the ones that can score from any at any point on the field at any point in the game through the air. But then once they get that lead, they hit you with that hammer. Uh, and so and, they and can we, we can do and that. Control possessions. We can do that. We have. I mean, we have running backs to be able to do that. 
Uh, you know, Zeus is coming back. James Cook is coming back. Oh, the whole the whole unit, everyone. The whole the whole unit yeah. is back, and and Kendall Milton will be healthy. I'm excited about him. I'm excited about Edwards, Diwan Edwards. Uh, I'm excited about that whole group. I mean, we it's Kenny McIntosh. He's the yeah. only one not there, and he's going to Illinois. Good for him. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he, he's going to be playing in a great system with with uh with old Bielema. So uh, but yeah, I'm I'm excited. I mean, this offense is finally going to be multi-dimensional and and Israel you and I uh, have talked about this probably several times and uh, and knowing that what this offense is is bringing to the table and as a play caller that sheet looks really appealing when you have all those weapons because I've been on the other end of that where you look at that sheet and it might as well be blank because there, there's nothing you can do um, it, it's the exact opposite of that of that whole deal and I'm excited for it it's almost the opposite in the sense where it's like, all right, we got George Pickens, get him the ball. And then you yeah. look up, and you're like, oh, we got Darnell Washington, get him the ball. And then you oh, look no, we, in the we, backfield, yeah. and you're like, James Cook can do whatever. Okay, get him the ball. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's like, you know, just keep the just put the pedal down and keep it down. I mean, I, I think Kirby's starting to kind of do you, um, Dane. Do you get a sense that Kirby's starting to kind of learn that? I felt like he kind of probably knew that all along with all the self scouting that happens. And then obviously, you know, you guys are coaches, but he couldn't get out of his own way, but you see what other people do well. And then you figure out how to adapt that to what you're, what you're doing. Uh, And it's, I don't think Alabama reinvented the wheel here. I think what Alabama did is just what a lot of other people did, but as efficiently as possible. Uh, But you know, not everyone's going to have a receiving core like Alabama. In fact, no one really ever does. Uh, yeah. You know, you we look might. at that crew that was, we what, those might. are four first round picks? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I don't think George has got that. Not right now. Yeah. I think what's <laughs> Time happening will tell, now baby. is the same. Time will tell. Yeah. I think what's happening now is the same thing that's happening in Alabama. You know, um, Nick Saban had to get out of his own way, you know, after that 2007 year and you saw what happened. I think he said, you know what? He, they change, you know, offensive coordinators and, and stuff just like you know we change our sock you know so it's like hey new guy comes in he's like hey this is what i want i want balance and this is what my balance looks like because you know you go to mike leach's balance is a little bit different so nick seven coming this is my balance right here and they get it he said you can do whatever you want to but this is how i want it he redefined his balance yes and i think that's what kirby smart's doing now you know we're starting to see him get the top notch o-line you know, receivers and running backs, same thing that they're doing in Alabama. So he's kind of like, okay, this is my balance. This is what I want. Now here you, you put it all together. You know, like you said, self-scouting, look, this is what we did well. This is what we need to improve on. All right, go boys, let's go to work. Let's get better. I think you're also seeing Kirby Smart kind of begin to check the boxes off the things that he wanted to transform. And we're going into season six. So uh, these are all his guys. Um, this is everything has his fingerprints on it. And, you know, that takes a couple of years. Uh, when mm-hmm. he first got the job, the main thing was fix that offensive line because it was not at the level that championship teams are. Um, and it doesn't matter if you have the four first round wide receivers, if your quarterback doesn't have time to throw the football. We just saw this in the Super Bowl. It doesn't matter. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you have Tyreek Hill and Miko Hartman and Travis Kelsey. If your quarterback's running backwards, he's not going to be able to throw the ball accurately. Um, and especially so, if he's throwing it uh, parallel to the ground. Well, now Patrick Mahomes can do that. He's probably the only one that can do that. But <laughs> yeah. that's baseball for you, right? The whole discussion we just the, had. He is definitely the only one that I've ever seen that can do that, which is impressive. 
but but you know, I think like you said, check on the offensive line at least mm-hmm. in terms of talent and depth, and then you kind of expand from there and look. All right, where can we improve in these specific you know skill sets and, and groups? Receivers was definitely there. I think tight ends still there a little bit in terms of how they're used to gain yardage. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. in you know run blocking, I think it's been fine, uh, and even yeah. in some pass blocking. But the, I don't think that George has maximized wise. what it can do from tight end. No, and that's I'm a philosophy you. thing, and that's maybe maybe you're starting to see the shift. I don't know. Um, I, I Darnell, like, you better because you don't yeah, find exactly. Darnells. No, you don't. And I, I think at times it's, it's flash where they've gone to the tight end uh, more in certain situations, but they could still. You're right. You can still. They can still do better on that. Yeah, I think throwing it to the tight end. I mean, I, I love throwing to my tight end, um, I, and it's just. From an offensive coordinator standpoint, you know, if you have a dominant tight end like we have right now, you got to find a way to make them physical and and feed them boys the rock. They don't just want to run block all the time. And I think that's where we got stagnant at because we didn't really throw the ball. Um, that's why we weren't getting those those big and top recruit recruit uh recruiting tight ends. So I think now, you know, we're starting to open it up a little bit. So we'll start getting, you know, those big, pretty beautiful six foot six, six, seven you know, tight, tight end bodies that, all right, you can run block and now I'm going to throw you football, you know? So I think this year, I think one thing that I hope that they did was look at how can we get the ball to the tight end? I mean, you don't find a six, seven guy that can run, you know, under five, five flat, you know, anywhere, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, get, getting those guys the ball is, is, is definitely in the plan for me. If I, if I'm an offensive coordinator this year, I know what I got from running back and out wide. Now, how can I utilize the box a little bit and get those little short passes to him? And one thing that Coach Jim Donnan told us on UGA Sports Live this week, Brock Bowers, one of the best athletes on the team. And that surprised me. Uh, not not that I thought he was a bad athlete, obviously. You don't get to Georgia if you're not a good athlete. But to, to be able to walk in and, and people were saying, wow, about Brock Bowers? Okay. Okay. Yeah, see I mean, with with everything that's around him. So, yeah. But guys, we're gonna you know, we're we're gonna wrap it right there. Um, you know, we've been you know, this is this has definitely been the uh, the Dane Young UJ Sports Extravaganza. Uh, we could go on for hours and hours and hours. We could probably fill up three hours if we wanted to easily uh, with just chatting about uh, offensive philosophy, defensive philosophy. But Dane, we're gonna have you back at some point. In yeah, the we near gotta future. do the dad podcast. Yeah, we gotta do uh, the they. So they said to have kids, right? They, they said it'd be oh. fun, right? Um, yeah, we could trade dad stories and, and Israel. Uh, I've got two daughters under three. Ooh, I got a boy and a girl under two. Oh man, you, you one up <laughs> me. I've got I've got um, a five year old with special needs, and sometimes he feels like he's about four kids. Um, get it fast. going, baby. We got stories for days, baby. Yeah, yeah no so, one's sleeping. It's all good. Yeah, I mean, I'm no. I'm up at four thirty on the regular, so. Um, and Dane, I still have not picked an EPL team. Manchester United's waiting for you. Just come on and join us. <laughs> Send me a jersey, man. Send me a jersey. We'll get Israel on board too. I've had friends tell me pick Leeds. I've had friends tell me pick City. Pick no, don't Chelsea. pick City. If you pick City, I'm not coming back on your podcast. There you go. <laughs> don't worry. I, I've already I've already crossed them off the list. They're not they're not on the list. I I I don't know. For some reason, uh, Spurs is standing out to me. Uh, United. 
And uh, I mean, I still haven't given up hope on on Everton, even though you told me not to mention their name. I'm just telling you that Marcus Rashford has fed a nation because he inspired uh, England to you know revamp some of their uh, school feeding programs during COVID. So if you want to follow a hero, uh, a worldwide hero, it's Marcus Rashford, and he's a really good player at, at Man U. So I'm about saving the world. That that's what I do. Saving the world. Yeah, first we're, first we're stuck in a blender. Now we're saving lives. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, so all right, guys. Well, you know what? Uh, in the very near future, you're going to hear uh, soccer stories and, and dad stories. We're probably not going to talk about one ounce of football. And that's okay. I'm I'm here with it. So uh, that's going to do it for us. That's gonna that's gonna wrap it for us. But Dane, uh, pleasure as always, man. Uh, look forward to having you back in the near future. Uh, for Dane Young, UGASports.com. Go check out everything that they do over there. It's it, it's great content. I mean, hell, he broke news on Julian Rochester uh, on just just now on our show today. So uh, a lot of great content with him and Roddy and Jake, uh, Anthony Dasher. Those guys they do a they do a hell of a job. I mean, I, I read that thing constantly. I'm I'm on there constantly. Uh, partly because I'm I'm in I used to be in the Rivals family uh, for about ten years. And so um, kind of addicted to it now at, at this point. So they do a great job at ujsports.com, and they're not paying me to say that. So it must be genuine, right? Uh, so Israel, another great one in the books, man. I uh, look forward to, uh, you know, to, to, to getting this thing uh, skyrocketing. 2021 is going to be the year where Georgia wins the national championship and the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast becomes a million-dollar podcast. How about that? There it is. There it is. Speaking into existence, baby. I love it. There you go. I, I can only say it so many times. So for Israel and Dane, I'm Corey Burton. This is the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network brought to you by betonline.ag. Go check out the online casino and uh, have a great weekend. And as always, go dogs. Go dogs. All right. Boom. Cut. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.